everyone. Welcome to Les Pod. You are here, my friends, because you believe in the LGBTQ plus community and the importance of sharing our individual stories to help impact one another. Our goal with the show is to introduce you to people and ideas that are going to help motivate you to pursue your dreams and empower you to believe in yourself. Okay. My name is Alex Friedlander, and I'm here to introduce you to remarkable people who have helped shift the world we live in today. Today's guest is the one and only Robin J. Schwartz. An honor to have her on my show. She is a legend in so many different areas, which I'll let her share. I'm not going to steal it all. And um, it's just, um, it's great to have her. Help me welcome her to the show. Woo! Welcome to the show, Robin. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here with you today. Thank you. It's an honor. So you've done... You've done so much for the community, um, for the world, uh, and I want to hear all about it. I um, Not only are you so highly spoken of within the community from afar, because, you know, I, I just met you, um, but, you know, the, the way that people speak of you is just so beautiful and kind of makes me want to be a better person. So I kind of made you look pretty up. So, you know, I, I expect, uh, <laughs> now I got to live up to that <laughs> at least for the next 40 minutes or so. <laughs> yeah. So tell me, tell me a little bit about you, Robin, like, what are you up to in life right now? What, um, what's going on? So right now, um, I mean, I'm a mortgage mortgage broker, so that's my, day job if you call it but i work for equality florida and equality florida is the state's lgbtq civil rights organization and i've been there probably about right before the pandemic so a little about two years or so and how's that been well uh in general has been amazing doing it during the pandemic has been interesting um one of my main tasks is fundraising so i've been doing it all uh 99 of it on the phone or uh, through Zoom or something like that. Uh, the good news is, is that we've been able to maintain uh, the money to do the important work that the organization does. And they do so many different things. That's awesome. So your one of your goals or roles rather there is to, to make sure that the organization is funded so that you can, you can, you know, attain these goals. Is that correct? Yeah. So my job, I'm the Miami bird. They have uh, throughout the state, there's various you know, uh, staff, and I'm in charge of Miami. So my job is to fundraise here in Miami. And yes, the money is, of course, to help do the work. We have to pay for staff, we have to pay for sometimes travel, whatever it is, um, to do the work. Do you know about Equality Florida? Or should I tell you about it? Just a moment? I know bits and pieces. I'm, again, I mean, yes, I am a, a lesbian who has a podcast, but I'm still kind of new to okay. the community. So why don't you tell me and everyone else who might not know about it, exactly what it stands for, you know, the, the mission behind it. Sure. So I think the easiest way is to just sort of tell you the different departments that we're working in. So we're probably most well known for our uh, work in Tallahassee. So we have staff in Tallahassee who uh, meet with the different um, elected officials, trying to get them to pass good laws, such as the um, Equality Act and try to prevent them from bad laws, which unfortunately we recently lost a big battle and there's that uh, a new bill against trans youth 
in sports, which is horrific. Uh, but that's kind of work we do up in Tallahassee. And then we also do endorsements. So throughout the entire state, every time there's an election, we, um, we often will put in our two cents, if you will, about who's the best candidates in terms of the issues that matter to us. They don't have to be LGBTQ. They just have to care about the same things that, that matter to us. And I think it's important to note that that's not just um, LGBTQ, what people think of as LGBTQ issues, because there's so much intersectionality, right? Because there's, there's Black people who are LGBTQ, there's Asian people, and there's all, you know, there's women, there's men, there's people with different challenges, there's rich, there's poor. So um, being LGBTQ is, um, is just a piece of who we are. So we fight for all those rights. And then we also have one of the favorite programs that we do is called Safe and Healthy Schools which is where we have staff that goes into the school systems, meets with everybody from the superintendents uh, down to the teachers and uh, affects policies. We do trainings across the state. And what's been most remarkable, uh, remarkable about the work that they've accomplished is how much they've been able to build relationships in those parts of Florida that one would think, you know, you never could get anywhere on these issues. And they've done amazing work, amazing work. And it really does change the lives of students when they're in the school system. Very important work. That's and because, then, can, can you, sorry to cut you off, but can you give me an example of, you know, like a small example of what, what's happened, like a change that's happened or something that. Well, um, you know, I would say uh, the thing that comes to my mind is not my department directly, but the thing that comes to mind is that when the pandemic hit, a lot of times people, you know, if you're just going through your everyday life, you're a teacher, you're a principal, you're thinking maybe of these big, you know, broad issues. And our team was able to show that being LGBTQ and not going to school and being at home all the time had its own unique challenges, right? Because for some um, you know, young LGBTQ person, being at home is not safe and it's scary. So going to school is actually a way for them to get out of that for a little bit. Or maybe the counselor at school is the one that's supporting them. So being stuck at home without all of that was really vital and they were able to work through some things to help give them the support they needed while they were still at home. Because isolation can be can be deadly. In oh, a sense. Yeah, especially isolation with someone who's, you know, wants to hurt you, sad. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow, that's very profound. That's very profound. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, important work. And then also we have an HIV department, we have a trans department, with our amazing director, Nicole. And uh, I'm sure I'm missing something. We, well, we work with different businesses across the state uh, because we all know money talks. So having businesses stand behind us on certain issues has been proven to be very valuable. So um, we build it. We have somebody, who, Renee, who takes care of that department. And then, you know, locally, we do what we can. If there's something that comes up, we try to play a role. Um, we work with uh, around anti-racism. We work for reproductive justice. So nice. it's a lot. Equality Florida does. I'm honestly incredibly impressed by them every day that I, I am with them. It's it's a great organization. Wow. What a large scope of, of different, you know, right. uh, possibilities to attack and make better. That's Absolutely. that's really neat. Yeah. Really neat. Um, thanks for sharing all that, you know, for the people that, that don't know too much about it, that I didn't know that much about it, but it's so it, it, it encompasses so much uh, beauty and possibility and change. So, you know, definitely check out Equality Florida and, and check out Robin and, and the Miami. <laughs> um, so tell me a little bit about, you know, your childhood um, and, 
what it was like for you. You know, did, did you know that you were gay? Um, I think the whole coming out thing, the whole coming out thing. I know that you, you told me, you mentioned, I don't want to steal your, your story, but that you came out at kind of like a, a later age, but did you ever feel as a child, um, like, insecure, like obviously insecure because we're humans, but did you ever feel like you weren't being true to your authentic self because you didn't know who that was, but you maybe had feelings or thoughts or ideas that you might've brushed off? Yeah, good question. And I know a lot of people do experience exactly what you just described. Um, I have been privileged. I did not feel that way growing up. Um, there, for most of my childhood uh, up and through college, I, I liked guys and I was dating men and I felt fine with it. It wasn't that I had this, something that felt wrong. It felt normal to me at the time. Um, and then a friend of mine in college said, let's go to this, this bar to go dancing. And I love music. I was a DJ and all that stuff. So uh, we went and it was a gay bar. And all I can tell you is that I just kept going back. <laughs> to this day, I don't even, you know, obviously it was something in me. Because it wasn't like I thought, oh, I'm gay, I'm gay, I, I don't know what to do with it. No, I had no idea until I went to the bar and just kept on myself going back. Crazy. And then um, at one point, I was living in Gainesville. My parents and my brother lived here in Miami. And at one point, my brother figured it out when he came to visit me. Uh, I don't know, you're probably too young, but I had on my wall in my college uh, apartment, a big picture of Billy Idol, who had like pokey hair, different colors. And for my brother, that was like, what is this? And so he goes home and he tells my mom, Robin's hanging out with some people with crazy hair. She's like living, this, I don't know what's going on. And at some point he, he figured it out and he told her. So my mom called me and every time I think about what she asked me, it's so crazy. She goes, oh, I also had cut my hair. I, have to, I can't forget that part. I used to have big Jersey hair and I okay. cut my hair, not quite this short, but pretty darn short. Yeah. So, uh, so she calls me, she says, do you want to be a boy or do you want to be a girl? I mean, such a binary choice, first of all. Right. But, uh, yeah, that, that was her, her expression. So anyway, I ended up telling her and my parents from the beginning, they weren't happy about it. And for years, my mother tried to buy me if I would date men, but they really never made me feel terrible either. So I feel really fortunate for that. And at one point they just got used to it. And, and whatever girlfriend I had at the time was part of the family. And I just, I've led a privileged life in so many ways. This is just another story of my privilege, really. I'm lucky. curious to know, and, and I love that. And I'm so grateful that you've had a privileged life. Not everyone that I've had on my show has had the, the, the kind of luxuries that you have. But I think that's probably why you give back so much because you, it's not like you take it for granted. It's like, I've been privileged. I I'm grateful and I know what it's like. So it's my duty, my responsibility to give back to others. That's the way I, that you come off to me. Please. Oh, thank you. That's all very true. Yeah. I feel compelled. I, I'm not sure I can express to you where that comes from, but I am compelled to help others. What, what do you mean by the fact that your mother would try to buy you, buy you off well, in the sense of, you know, go back to men rather than stick with women? Can you tell me about that? I might yeah, relate. Yeah, we would be walking in a mall or whatever together. And she goes, I'll buy you this if you start, if you go dating, if you date a man. I'm like, oh, God, <laughs> stupid, stupid. Very funny. But she, she got over it in a relatively short time. Well, and they always they told me they would love me no matter what. So I, again, I feel very fortunate. That's very funny. You know, yeah. yeah. 
my dad used to tell me, um, if you get straight A's, I'll buy you any car you want. So I never <laughs> got straight A's because I always oh, wanted it. <laughs> but I wonder if, uh, yeah, that's very funny. I, I like that. Um, so when you did finally come to the conclusion of realizing, you know, this is who I am, I like women, um, how, how did you deal with that? How did you deal with the emotional transition? Um, did you lose any anybody in your life? Did people uh, judge you? Did you come across your own self-judgments? You know, how did you handle the process? Sure, sure. I get why you're asking me all this because I know so many people who have experienced all the things you just said. But again, privilege, I, I did not struggle even internally. I don't know why, but I was born with some, I have a sense of myself that I'm just so lucky. I, I, I never felt weird about it. I just like, all right, this is who I am. It's fine. I don't care. It's good. Um, um, I'm trying to think what else you asked me specifically. I didn't struggle with, oh, my friends. No, I didn't even lose friends. Like, it's crazy. Even wow. my friends that I've had since I was, I have some friends I've known since kindergarten. I mean, everybody, everybody in my life has been really cool. Now, has anybody ever ridiculed me? Of course, at work. I remember when I've worked in corporate America for years and at some point, and I used to have, again, long hair at one point. And they, so I had cut my hair, by the way, and I grew it back big hair so when I was working at this one company I had the big hair so they had no idea I didn't I didn't look gay and when they found out I know they were talking and I know some you know men when they find out that a woman's gay it's like oh god really they you know have their fantasies whatever so I had to deal with a little bit of that but but really very little super lucky super lucky well you seem like a very very lucky individual so I have a question for you what What's something you're human at the end of the day? Yes, you're privileged, you're white, you, you're, um, you named a word before, but I, I just, I'm having a brain fart, which I apologize doing this live, but you're, you're, you've had what seems like a really good life, a very simple life. Where have you struggled in your life? Where is yeah, there's no such thing as a simple life. <laughs> right. Yeah, so fair enough. But where yeah, yeah. Have, where have you had some hardship in your life that you had to overcome it to get to where you are today? Yeah, I think my struggles have been, uh, you know, my, my childhood was not easy. Uh, I don't want to give say too much because I don't want to give away the privacy of my family. But, um, you know, my, my childhood was not easy. My parents got divorced. There was a lot of drama between my parents. I was put in the middle, um, a difficult relationship with my mom at times. Those are the things that have really impacted me and have been a big challenge in my life and have impacted my relationships. And, um, you know, that, that's been my cross to bear, if you will, more on a personal level like that. You know, I've had the external privileges of being white, be, uh, you know, being born to a family that was upper middle class, um, I've been done well in work, so money's not been an issue. Um, but I still carry to this day some of the pain of what happened to me growing up, and, and that's a constant battle. Understood. Yeah, childhood's tough. Yeah. Childhood's tough. And I think um, I, I'd like to say for all parents, I, I think they do the best they can, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, they had their own challenges. Exactly, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that with me. Um, what is something 
that you'd like to see more within the LGBTQ plus community, but more so focused on the lesbian community? What do you feel like is, is kind of lacking that maybe more people need to do more of, whether it's volunteering, whether it's having um, more meetups, whether it's a, a way to develop friendships. There's a lot of lonely people out there. Um, and I just want to know, what do you think could be beneficial and helpful? Sure. So as you know, I'm a founder of Aqua Foundation for Women, which we started in 2004. And the reason we started it was with the kinds of thoughts that you just, you know, the questions you just asked me. We, uh, there was a few of us, and every time there was a big event, it'd be the same few of us. There were not barely any female leaders of any of the local organizations, uh, very few female volunteers, very few female donors, all those things. And we felt that if there was an organization for and by LGBTQ women, that uh, we'd be able to impact all of that. And I feel like we did do a lot of great work. I mean, I know that, for instance, one time I was sitting with a couple and they were about to have a kid. This was, I don't know, 10 years ago or something. And it wasn't as common right back then. And they're like, we don't know how to meet any other women who have children. So I came up with the idea to do the family barbecue, the Aqua family barbecue. And so now every year, once a year, there's this free barbecue, so there's no barriers. And women and men, uh, men come too, but you know, it's an opportunity for you know, two dads, two moms um, or more uh, to bring their kids to um, you know, just have a great day and see other families like theirs. And I think I told you this story before, but I'll, I think it's worth repeating. One of the most touching moments when I was running Aqua was when a friend of mine who's very out and out uh, involved in her school, I mean, the, her child's school and everything, and her kid was used to that. But yet, after they went to the family barbecue, on the way home, the young man said to his mom, it was the first time in his life, he didn't feel different. And I wow. thought that's really powerful. So that's the kind of stuff that we obviously can do more of to create those spaces uh, for everyone. Um, you know, I'm, I'm 59, so I'm not young anymore. So it's a little hard for me to address too much, but I've had conversations with young people in the past. And I think that, um, you know, there used to be lesbian bars, right? Or these nights. So there used to be more places, physical spaces for people to go to be with other, um, other LGBTQ women. And that's really hard to come by nowadays. There's a party here or there, but there's not that, uh, you know, physical space like there used to be. So I think that that's something that a lot of people yearn for is a sense of community in a physical way. And yeah. I imagine since COVID is probably even worse. So that's something I think needs to happen. And 100%, there's not enough women leaders, there's not enough women volunteers, and there's not enough women donors. So one of the things that I always got pissed hearing throughout these years of doing this work is, well, women don't make as much money as men. So that's why. Okay, that is true. And that's a whole other subject matter that needs to be addressed. But, or and, there's lots of women who make plenty of money. There's lots of them. So until all of those women are giving to the LGBTQ causes, I will not rest. Each woman who can should be giving. And that's something that needs to change. And, and I think a lot of times people ask me why I think that happens. And it's not that women aren't giving. I think that women uh, tend to give more to their immediate circles. They, they just tend to be more in insular, if you will, than they are looking in the broader scope. And I also think that 
they're less little less ego based so they don't need to see their name and lights you know as a lot of times people donate to have their name up there or whatever they definitely don't go to parties as much as the men so they uh you know that's not something that interests them as much so it's just and again that's why we started aqua is that there needs to be a different approach to to reaching uh female identified people and it's interesting by the way you know when we started aqua to be completely frank we had almost no knowledge of the trans community. And I don't even think non-binary was a word that was used back then, or at least we weren't familiar with it. So we used women. But now, or at least when I, uh, when I was running Aqua, we had expanded that to include trans people across the spectrum. I just want to make that point because I think that's super important. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think it's important that everyone is included in, and it, it feels like an inclusive community because um, from some of the interviews that I've had, some of the people that I've spoken to, a lot of uh, the trans community does feel uh, not a part of, you know, same as bisexuals. They don't feel a part of. And then I wonder, does that play into their self-worth? You know, it, it, it probably does, you know, it yeah. plays into their subconscious. And then it's like, well, what's going on? Like, we're we wanted to be accepted as lesbians. We wanted to be accepted as gays. What is wrong with accepting people who aren't fitting the black and white, you know, lines that we're setting for the community? Who's, who's it for us to set those borders? You know? Right. So this has been, a, this has been one of my lifelong goals is to uh, diversify our community when I was at Aqua and just still. And uh, when at the task force, Recently, a few weeks ago, I spoke of this because I think it's so important. There's not enough diversity in anything that I've seen in the LGBTQ community, and we all have to work harder at that. And it's not one person or two people who can solve that. Each of us has to do our part. And what I learned as part of the challenge is that, unfortunately, what a lot of times happens is leaders say, okay, yes, of course we're welcoming. We include everybody. And you know, they say all the right things, and they probably have the right intention. But that's not enough. Because when I've spoken to, for instance, black people, um, they'll say to me, okay, that sounds nice. But if I go to one of your events or one of your whatever it is, I'm going to be the only black person there and I don't feel welcome. And so it's that challenge of how do we, you know, reach across and bring people in. And I think it has to be incredibly intentional. Like it has to be intentional. And I, one of the things I've tried to do is to build bridges so that people do feel welcome. And, and that they start, you have to start somewhere, right? So you bring bring in folks, um, whether it's people of color, whether it's, um, you know, just folks that even look different. I know that when I first took over Aqua, one of the complaints I heard was everybody on your website is, you know, like a size two and has blonde hair or whatever. And I thought that was a valid critique. And we changed it immediately because LGBTQ people come in all shapes and sizes. Correct. And it's important. Everybody needs to feel welcome, but it's not an easy goal. And I think part of the problem is there's not enough people proactively working that, right? Because if you're, let's just take, for example, even someone like me, like if I wasn't focused on it intentionally, I could easily go through life and not pay any attention to that. Because guess what? I'm not that. I'm white and I'm privileged and I can just do whatever I want and I'm welcome everywhere, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it has to be intentional. We have to consciously be saying to ourselves on a regular basis, what can I do today? And what can I do when I'm planning an event? What can I do when I'm uh, planning programming? 
how do I reach all the people that are within our community and make sure they know they're welcome? And if all of us did that, I, I think we would take huge steps. Absolutely. Wow. That was very profound. I, I, and I got a lot of a lot of inspiration from it. So thank you for sharing all that. It's true. It's um that that sense of um kind of like an environment, we're missing that, that sense of environment for that community to feel welcome for anybody and everybody to come. Um, so, you know, I, I'd like to change that. Um, so tell me a little bit about, you know, what you're doing now with the mortgages. Do you, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Anything that you want to promote or, or. Yeah, I mean, I feel, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? you know, I'm not doing this to promote my business, right? but I appreciate that you asked. Generally, I'll just tell you a little bit that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the mortgage business and I help people get the funding to buy their homes. And the most beautiful part of it, um, obviously it gives me, uh, a, it affords me enough, a lifestyle, but uh, what brings me the most joy is just knowing that I can help people make good decisions because it's their biggest financial decision for most people. Yes. And, uh, you know, helping first time home buyers, it's, it's just, it's the greatest joy in the world when somebody, um, gets their first home and uh, I was actually able just did a mortgage for um, a young trans person in our community and you know that home it doesn't just mean oh I have this physical or this financial investment it's it's security it's safety it's it means so much to so many and so that I can play a role in that is it's very rewarding yeah I would think that would be very rewarding that is beautiful Beautiful to share. And I'm so glad that you shared that, you know, it was a trans person who, who just bought their home when, you know, it, it seems like they're, they're struggling so much. So it's nice to bring some positivity that there is, there are people thriving out there. There are people yeah. making it, you know, yeah. um, it's important. It's important to see both sides of the spectrum so that we're not just sad all the time, but that we have hope and inspiration and role models to look up to, 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 you know, not give up. Yeah. Hope is so important. It's, without that, you know, the rest can't happen. You have to have hope. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree. What is the, um, what's the ultimate legacy that you'd like to leave behind? I mean, you still got, you still got a lot of time on your hands, but I, I would like, to, <laughs> I mean, and you've done a lot, you know, with, with being the founder of Aqua, with helping with Equality uh, Florida, with helping uh, many people, uh, homeless, get off the streets, helping the youth, the education. But is there anything in particular that really you want to leave behind and kind of be known for? Hmm. I mean, maybe just, you know, kindness, being kind to people. I don't think we have enough of that in this world, being kind. And I guess what I'd like to hope that I've inspired is for more people to do, to get involved. That's been my big thing throughout the years is how do I get more people to be involved? So my friends will tell you that I pulled them all in to do stuff. And, um, and, I, and I hope that, I hope that my legacy will be that I was able to bring in more people to do more to help the folks who need it. Yes, that's beautiful. I love that. That's a great legacy to have. I would hope so. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Robin, for being on the show. LuzPod is a big fan of yours. I'm a big fan of yours. Um, and uh, 
I hope to to meet you one day. It's gonna be it's gonna you be will, fun. you will. <laughs> yes, sure. I'm excited about it. <laughs> you will. Well, thanks again. And uh, thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Hey.